With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Hockey News Podcast. Well, hello everyone. I'm Ken Campbell from the Hockey News and this is our weekly podcast brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Christian Hockey. Uh, As I said, Ken Campbell joined by my colleague and good friend, Ryan Kennedy. Indeed. And again, no Matt Larkin in the middle. No Matt. We've been uh, been going shorthanded a little bit. You were at the World Juniors. Matt's on assignment, so so it's just going to be the two of us today. Um, and uh, we will try to meet all of your hockey needs today because there's a yes. lot to talk about. Uh, and we're going to start with um, the Pittsburgh Penguins of all teams. The fourth overall Pittsburgh Penguins. Wild. Who, since Sidney Crosby went out with an injury on, I believe, November 12th, are, uh, what are they? They're 18-6-4. and four. Evgeny Malkin has 11 goals and 38 points in 26 games. He's he missed two two games during that time as well. Mm. Um, you know they, they've they've won. I think they they swept all three games on the recent road trip. All of them four three scores, one in regulation, one in overtime, one in a shootout. Uh, just to just to mix things up a little bit. But what I want to know from you, Ryan, is is um, you know in light of the fact that it looks like. Uh, Crosby could be back tomorrow night, Tuesday night. Um, does this mean that we should be considering the, the the Pittsburgh Penguins as kind of a a sneaky, like serious, legitimate contender for the Stanley Cup this year? You know, I still don't quite see it. And full marks to the Penguins for everything they've done this season. I think once again, it speaks to how good a coach Mike Sullivan is, right? And the buy-in that he is getting in Pittsburgh from all the players. And it's not just Crosby injured. I mean, Gensel's been injured. Like, they've had so many guys injured. And they've managed to hold it all together without a very deep prospect pool, keep in mind. It's not like they have a wealth of players to draw from, but they've done very well in that respect. John Marino, obviously, that was a huge pickup um, in the offseason. That has helped their back end tremendously. There's there's two things that make me a little reticent about the long-term Pittsburgh Penguins. One is they've been on such an emotional roller coaster this whole time, just pushing and fighting through all this adversity. It almost feels like too much too soon, like... We're not even in February yet. Right, right. So how does this team keep that emotional high going for so long? I don't, I don't know if you can do that for an entire season. I'm not sure if you have to if you're maybe the Pittsburgh you Penguins, to. though. I'm not sure if you have to. Yeah, maybe you don't have to because you do have all that experience, all that championship experience led by, of course, Crosby and Malkin. Um, the other thing that concerns me is not so much 
the Pittsburgh Penguins themselves being a good team because obviously they are a good team, but they are in the same division as the Washington Capitals and the New York Islanders. The Islanders specifically who swept them last year. And that would be be the matchup right now, wouldn't it? Uh, In the first round? It may may very well be. So for me, this is one of those situations where once again we say, why do we have this divisional playoff format where you could have three of the best teams in the league and two of them are going to be facing each other in the first round and then the other two might face each other in the second round. That's why they have it. I know. That's why, that's they, have why they have it. Yeah. But people like to have the big teams at right. the end. So I, uh, my thing would be like, they might be one of the best teams in the NHL, but they also might lose in the first round, and nobody would be shocked because right. they will be right. playing another one of the best teams in the NHL. True. Um, I, I wonder what a Pittsburgh Penguins fan would, would have said before the beginning of the year if he would have said, you know, Crosby's going to miss like 30 games. Um, you know, Matt Murray's not going to be your number one goalie. You're going to go into the league with this defense core. Mm. Uh, Jake Gensel's going to play real well for a while and then get hurt. Uh, but you're going to be in fourth place overall in in January. I don't think anybody would have believed that. Like, it's like a reverse monkey's paw. <laughs> exactly. It's like all this bad stuff's going to happen, but your team will be very successful. See, and that's why, to me, I think these guys are for real. I really do. And and mm. and like I look at this team now, and I look at a bunch of guys who realize that the window is still open. Yeah. You know, and they might have not thought that before. Uh-huh. That 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 like I mean, you knew they were going to be good. You knew they were going to be fine. You knew they were yeah. going to probably be a playoff team and everything. But I think now they're looking at it and going, "Hot damn, we can win this thing." Are we the team of destiny? <laughs> we can win this thing. And I think when you give that message to Sidney Crosby, yeah. to Jenny Malkin, to Chris Letang, mm. to Mike Sullivan, to those guys, to Jim Rutherford before the trade deadline. That's a good point. I think I think they're going to look at it and go, "Hey guys, this is this is our chance. This is our chance. This is our chance to really like truly be a dynasty, right? Because it would it would be difficult. three it would be three cups in six years if they did that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's that's as close to a dynasty as you're going to get, right? These days, for sure. Yeah, exactly. And and I just think that you know I think when Crosby comes back, I think. Brian Rust is going to go back. He's going to recede a little bit. His numbers. Jenny Malkin is probably going to go back a little bit. Mm. But, I mean, Sidney Crosby at 100% and those guys being support players, I I, th- I think it really augurs well. Yeah. Uh, I You know, you always worry about their goaltending. But yeah. Matt Murray seems to find a way once the playoffs start to be impenetrable. So, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I, really, I really think this team is a legitimate – like a, a legitimate, serious Stanley Cup contender, I would not be surprised to see them win it again. Yeah, I will say they are the most intriguing team in terms of the possibilities. And I think yeah. I think we've sort of laid out both possibilities here where it's like they could be the team of destiny that goes all the way because they've gone through right. so much adversity, right. or they could get swept again in the first round because they've just gone through way yeah. too much. It, it, it feels like it might be one or the other, right? Totally. Like it feels like it won't. they won't make the conference final and lose in seven games. Right. They'll either win the cup or lose in the first round. Yeah, they will either yeah. win all the games or none of the games. None of the games, yeah. I think another thing that, I mean, and a credit to, actually, and a credit to guys like Bill Garen, who's no longer in the organization anymore, I think what Pittsburgh has done has they've done more in terms of prospects, and you know about this better mm-hmm. than I do. But they've done more in terms of prospects with less 
than anybody. You know, they've gone yeah. out and gotten guys late in late rounds. They've gone out and signed guys that have ended up, you know, like the John Marinos of the world and mm-hmm. guys that have ended up really being good core players for them. Uh, got them, you know, when nobody else was really too interested in them. Well, and... I think the thing with Pittsburgh is with the lack of picks, they've made up for it in free agency and they've used their reputation to do it. So you look at a Zach Aston Reese, for example, he had numerous NHL teams he could have gone to, but he chose Pittsburgh. And, you know, you look at John Marino and he wasn't going to sign with Edmonton. The Oilers knew that. So they flipped him to Pittsburgh and Marino did indeed sign with the Penguins. And now he has become a crucial part of that blue line. So, it helps when you've already won because you can say to prospective players, we've got some of the best players in the world on this team, and we've already got rings. We'd like another one. Would you like to help? Right, right. And 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 in Pittsburgh, you actually do get that chance to help. Yeah. You know, there are teams where it's like, no, you're going to have to wait a long time. Here's- here, here, you know half the team's going to be injured yeah. at some point. You're going to get your chance. Yeah. You know, you've got a good, really good development system, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, yeah. Huh? Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins don't sleep on the Penguins. Don't that's sleep for on sure. The Penguins. should be interesting when, yeah. uh, when Crosby comes back to the mix. Um, well, okay, so now on Saturday night, I think it's pretty clear the Battle of Alberta's back on. It's on. It's on, baby. And... You know, I mean, for the longest time, I think part of the problem was was that one or both of these teams was so irrelevant for most of the time. Yeah. Right. Since basically since oh five oh six when Edmonton went to the Cup final, mm. either team has been basically irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, so you haven't had that. You know, it's not what it was. It's no. not what it was in the heyday because I mean, you need stakes. Yeah, and you also need them to be the best teams in the league and they're yeah. not the, neither of these teams I think is can really say it's that close to winning a Stanley Cup in my view uh-huh. um, but I mean you've got something going here and I, and I mm. think what has galvanized the whole thing is you know you've got a villain yes. right? you've got a villain in, Ma- in Matthew Kachuk <laughs> yeah. and speaking of Matthew Kachuk he he lays out Zach Cassian, not once but twice mm-hmm. on Saturday night, uh, had another big hit on somebody else on on the Oilers. I can't remember who. Oh, Drysital. He, mm. he 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 tattooed Drysital as well. Speaking of Drysital, Jim Matheson said that Drysital, when asked when he would what he would do if he and McDavid had to play if Kachuk at three and three at the All Star game, I would get off the ice. Nice. Yeah. Well, he's he's in his head, which is hilarious yeah. because it's a lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's still a good quote. Right. Exactly. So, anyway, so he 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 lays uh, he lays out uh, Zach Cassian with two hits that uh, are borderline. Some mm-hmm. some people on my Twitter feed thought they were they were blatant headshots and and really dirty and and nefarious. Uh, I I I on the other hand thought they were both clean hits. Mm-hmm. Um. So what do we make of all of this? What do we think of, you know, the way Matthew Kachuk handled all of that and the way he played on Saturday night and the fact that he refused to fight Zach Cassian uh, when Cassian dropped the gloves after the second hit? I got I got so many thoughts on this subject because I, I do like Matthew Kachuk. Uh, he really knows how to get under an opponent's skin, and, and those guys are fun. And... 
as of right now, as we are recording this podcast, we do not know what sort of supplementary discipline, if any, Zach Cassian is going to get. He had a hearing. It's going on right now. Yeah. Um, so let's say, for example, that Zach Cassian gets suspended for a game, just as an, ex- as games. an example, yeah. one or two games. Yep. Then Matthew Kachuk wins this round because he sucked. He's, he's already won the round. He, I mean, he's, he's already won the round. He drew a double minor and they he, scored the winning goal on the power play. Right. Okay, so fair enough. So he would double yeah. win. Yeah. Yeah. Now, were the I mean, I think the hits were kind of borderline, but it's kind of it's a weird situation because Zach Cassian is an old school hockey player in the sense that he's very physical, you know, he drops the gloves, whatever. Um, you know, we don't see a lot of players like him anymore, but he put himself in a position to get tagged on both of those hits. Didn't have his head up, was not aware of what was going on around him. I don't know if he even owns a chin strap because his helmet yeah, went yeah. flying. If, yeah, is it is it is it Matthew Kachuk's fault that his he can't keep his helmet on? It fell yeah. off twice. Yeah, both of those hits, his helmet fell off. Yeah, and it should not have on the first one for sure. Yeah. So hey, and what about what about the penalty for playing without a helmet? He went after true. Kachuk and started fighting him. Yeah. Right. Well, I guess if it's a whistle, without then his technically hel- it's. I don't not know. If the, I don't know if there would, had been a whistle by that point though. Because you just hit him, right? Maybe not. That's a good question. Yeah. But it's weird because it's like, I feel like I'm kind of blaming the victim, but the victim is like a humongous enforcer who was hit by a smaller guy. Um, On the other hand, you know, Matthew Kachuk will drop the gloves if it's a guy in his weight class. I can see why he wouldn't want to fight Zach Cassian because Zach Cassian is very good at fighting. Mm -hmm. So... Is it kind of against the code? Is it kind of like a rat thing to do to hit a huge guy who shouldn't fight you? I don't know. I mean, I guess what did Matthew Kachuk expect was going to happen if he's going to make Zach Cassian look dumb twice in one game? So I, 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 don't know really, I don't really know how to feel on this one. Well, here's where I have a problem, Ryan Kennedy, uh-huh. is, is, is in... As much as Zach, as in as much as Matthew Kachuk was expected to quote unquote answer the bell mm-hmm. after two hits that were deemed by the referees and by the league later to be clean hits. Fair enough. That that's, that's what a good point. That's, that's what drives point. me nuts. That's yep. what drives me nuts. Yep. And this has come. This has found its way into the game. I would say probably in the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. At first, it was like, okay, you can't hit stars because if you hit a star, you're going to have to answer for it. Now. Right. You can't hit Zach Cassian and you have to answer for it? You can't hit like, are enforcers. You ki- are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. Like, why does a guy have to fight after a clean hit? Mm-hmm. I, I, it, that's what drives me nuts yeah. the most about all of this, is that Matthew Kachuk is supposed to go out and not and not hit people? Like, right. Like, if you want to take hitting out of hockey, you want to take the physical aspect out of hockey, this is a perfect way to do it. Yeah. Make guys have to fight after they after they they deliver clean hits. Yeah. You know, that's where that's where I have a problem with all of this. Yeah. I wonder if anybody asked It's I mean it's tough because players, you know, they don't really give you the real answers after the game, but I'd be curious to find out, you know, if you asked Zach Cassian after the game, you know, what was Matthew Kachuk supposed to do? Not hit you? 
or like not hit you as hard? Like what would have prompted Zach Cassian to be like, all right, that was a hockey play. I, I'm going to move on from now. I don't think I see that's see, but that's part of the problem for me is I don't think Zach Cassian has a problem with those hits. I think he just thinks that Matthew Kachuk is supposed to fight him because he wants to fight at that moment mm. because he wants to avenge these two hits that made him look bad. Right. And I don't think Zach Cassian has a problem with that physical element of the play. Yeah. And, and Oh, and by the way, you want to be outraged about something, be outraged about co- what Connor McDavid did right after plowed Kachuk right into the boards with a hit from behind. That was, that, was po- that was potentially a very dangerous hit. Yeah. Wasn't a dangerous hit, but was potentially, yeah. you want to be outraged, be outraged about that. Mm. That That's my opinion anyways. Mm. But to me, I don't, I don't think that Zach Cassian had a problem with the, with the level of play, the physicality, the, you know, the hitting and everything. I think he just wanted to have his fight and Kachuk didn't engage him. And, and then he called him all sorts of names afterwards. Right. You know? I don't know. Cassian looked pretty angry. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. He, he was, was upset. Like, oh, he wasn't smiling like, oh, it's time to fight. Like, this was not like a Ryan Reeves kind of fight. This was a, I'm going to kill you. The other thing I don't get is why can't you just call one fighting major? It's in the rule book. You can call one fighting major. You don't have to call. You don't have to give penalties to both guys for fighting. Mm. And I don't know why he didn't get a fighting major for that. Right. And and in 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 a game earlier that uh, that I think it was that day or the next day, uh, Jacob Truba just like two hands um, Vince Dunn going around the net like five times. Right. Dunn throws his gloves off. Truba throws his gloves off. They start punching each other. Truba gets two or Dunn gets two minutes for roughing and Truba gets nothing really? other than other than the major for slashing and right, kicked right, out. Right. But no fighting majors. I don't know what you got to do to to, huh. to get a fighting major in this league. I don't know what you have to do to get a cross checking penalty either in this league. But that's a rant for another day. That's another. Save it for the podcast. Save it. For, we are this, on the podcast. Not this podcast. Not this podcast. Okay. Save it for next week. All right, moving right along. Mm-hmm. Uh, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Fred, Fred Shiro. <laughs> Ray Shiro. Date yourself. Yeah, exactly. Ray Shiro is fired. Yes. Uh, roughly two hours before their game, Sunday night. It's a crucial game. Less than 24 hours after they beat the best team in the league 5 1. Uh, the Devils ownership saying, you know, they're, they're going in another, they need to go in another direction. Yeah. Which, yeah, they do. Yes. I mean, up. Th- that would be up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good direction. Um, what do we make of this, Ryan? Like, I just, to me, I don't understand it. I don't right. get it. I don't get the timing of it. Mm-hmm. There's something wrong with this timing, first of all. Yeah. Like doing it two hours before a game, twenty like I said, twenty two hours after you already after you've beaten the best team in the league. Right. Um and and timing from another aspect too, and in, in as much as like if this is what you were gonna do, you don't let him make the Taylor Hall trade. You don't let him fire John Hines. Uh-huh. You know? I, I get it that you don't let him go into the trade deadline if that's not your guy, but yeah. nothing about this makes a lot of sense to me. No, and I mean, it's so <clears throat> early, but f- you know, from what I'm hearing, it feels like you know the organization, it's, it's all about winning. And obviously, New Jersey was not winning this year. I think this was more of a big picture than a small picture kind of thing. Uh, yeah. You know, it was you know you, you can't look at the one win and say, oh okay, well yeah. we're back on track. I think this right. was a big picture where it's like this team, as currently put together, cannot have success. Right. And there's it, a couple. We all of, know that though. Yeah, we do. But you know, you, you got to give it some time because so much 
was new with the Devils this year. You have Subban coming in. You have Simmons coming in. You have Gustav coming, coming in. You have Jack Hughes, Jack Hughes coming yeah. in. I mean, that's a lot of change. Goaltending was a huge X factor, which obviously has remained a sore spot. And I don't think that's a blight. That's answer. a blight on Ray's resume. Yes. In fact, yes, and yeah. that's something where I think you can say, okay. Didn't work out. You know, Mackenzie Blackwood was a tenuous solution at best. Not a long-term solution. No. That's clear. Subban's having his worst NHL season ever. Yep. You couldn't have predicted that. I mean, there was nothing that said he was about to fall off. Especially, ironically, since Shea Weber's having his best NHL season in like a decade. Right. um, In Montreal. But I, I think this is a this is a matter of an organization looking at the sum of its parts, taking a broad look at the season as a whole. There have been some huge moments, including the Taylor Hall trade, where I thought they did okay I with didn't. the return. I didn't. I the, didn't. I the thought first was... rounder is the key because yeah. again, you knew that Taylor Hall was essentially going to be a rental. Or, or at least you had to assume that at the time. <laughs> they might end up with Kevin Ball, and that's it. And a first rounder. Yeah, but yeah. who knows what that first rounder is going to be? It's going to be like twenty. Yeah, very so true. those guys don't always make it. They don't. I, I think Kevin Ball is going to be a, a decent third, fourth defenseman in the NHL. Yeah, four, yeah. five, four, five. Okay. Yeah. 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 So mm, I don't know. That's not yeah. good. It's not my, yeah. good. But I yeah. think, and I don't know what the other offers were, but you know, Arizona was not going to give you Barrett Hayton. They were not going to give you Victor Soderstrom. Yeah. So where do you go from there? I mean, in hindsight, you now wait. That the world you juniors. Wait. Yeah, you, you wait. wait. Or, you know, based off the World Juniors, you get you say, give us Matthias Michelli, who played excellent for Finland. Right. Um, that would be, you know, somebody where if you had him and Kevin Ball plus the first and the third, then I would say, okay, well, there's some upside there. Michelli, he, he looks like he could be an NHLer in a couple of years. But, I mean, that was a trade that, yeah, you're right, maybe they could have waited longer. But you assess the market as you right. can uh, see to me i think this is a perfect example of an owner or in this case two owners who don't realize that it's a it's a longer process to 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 win mm. they want to win now and and they're not going to and right. whoever they put in his place and i think we both we would both agree that tom fitzgerald, tom fitzgerald is is yeah. a is a very very strong candidate for that and should be very seriously considered for yes. the job yes um i think we'd both agree on that yes but tom fitzgerald sam Pollock, punch him lack and <laughs> you know and 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 glenn say they're all rolled together mm-hmm. there's not a quick fix there's not a quick fix no. it is now like i mean sometimes you can turn it around quickly but it's to become an elite team in the NHL, to go from that to becoming an elite team, you are looking at a five to eight to ten year process here. Right. Not a two year process. Not a three year process. It's it takes a long time, and I, I think that's where the disconnect was. Mm. And and I, this this just screams to me of the owners met with their general manager and and they came to the realization that they are just not on the same page. And 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 these guys want to win now, mm-hmm. and 
Ray as being the hockey guy and being the experienced guy that he is and built having built teams in the past is yeah. telling them, look, it's sorry, I can't deliver that that quickly. I know we yeah. overachieved two years ago, um, but it's not going to happen that quickly. Yeah. Now, I will say that the Devils share an ownership group with basketball's Philadelphia 76ers. And I, I don't know the timeline off the top of my head, but the Sixers were famous for the process where they were intentionally bad for years in order to stockpile top-end right. draft picks. Right. So I, I, th- I think these guys might understand that it, it, it takes a little longer. Um, but I'll, I'll pose this to you right now because you're absolutely right. Hockey rebuilds take at least five to seven years in totality. What if the Devils signed Robin Lehner in the summer? Chicago would be stupid. <laughs> yes. That would, ta- that, would ta- that would take care of the goaltending. That would yeah. take care of the goaltending, yeah. So, Do we still think this is a playoff team with, with that kind of goaltending? Do we think they're a playoff team? And P.K. Subban playing at even 80% of Subban levels instead of... Well, that's the question, know. right? As, yeah. Is this just a bad year or is, right. this, is this the beginning of the end? Right. That that's the question. Yes, we don't, and we don't know the answer to that question. We do not. But that would that would be my sort of silver lining take for New Jersey fans is that there probably will be a pretty good goaltender available this summer. If not yeah. Laner, I mean, Washington will probably re-sign Braden Holtby. But what Ooh, if? But what if they don't? I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know about that. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll. Move on. I, I think I think they they're, they're going to have to. Yeah, yeah. So in that case, do you grab Braden Holpe and see if he's got a couple more years in the tank? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. is does Braden Holpe squeeze you into the playoffs? We shall see. Yeah. And let's let's consider with New Jersey playing as bad as they are, they yeah, can get good. a very high pick this summer. Yeah. If you, I mean, it would be, they would turn into Edmonton East if they got the number one pick. But you add Alexi Lafreniere to that lineup, or if, even if they're picking second or third, and you get Quentin Byfield, and you get a little stronger down the middle. Right, right. Now, what's this team look like? Yeah, yeah. However, it will not be Ray Shiro's decision because they've moved on. But you are absolutely right. I feel Tom Fitzgerald. It's so convenient for the Devils that the guy that was kind of the GM in waiting for the NHL is already in the organization that needs a new GM. Right. And when right. they were spiraling at the beginning of the season, they put Tom Fitzgerald behind the bench to assess what was going on when John Hines was still there. To me, that says he's the guy this organization trusts yep. above maybe anyone else. I mean, obviously, Marty Brodeur uh, is taking well, I don't. I don't think. Now. I don't think Marty has well, the had like he hasn't earned his spurs yet. As no, a, no, yeah, as exactly. a management guy. But I mean, New Jersey in Marty, we trust in general, Pretty in much. a general sense. Pretty much. But in a you know in a hockey management sense, it feels like Tom Fitzgerald. They already know what they have there. So as long as they don't want to go in a completely different direction where they want somebody from outside, yeah. Fitzgerald's the obvious gold standard candidate. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I would agree with you. I mean, I uh, back in the back in the the uh, back in the day, back as the, the day. kids say, uh, when I covered the Toronto Maple Leafs for the uh, for the Toronto Star, Tom Fitzgerald, Tom Fitzgerald played for the Leafs, and I remember every time I dealt with him and talked to him and just watched everything that he did, it was like this guy's got 
like a, a hockey future in mm. front of him, no question. I, I wasn't sure if it was a co- as a coach or a GM, but I knew you you could tell then that this guy got it. Yeah, and he he knew it, and he knew players. Like you could talk to him about a- almost any player in the league. He knew players. He knew the game. He knew contract situations. Like he knew all that stuff. Nice. And he knew about the dynamics of putting teams together and everything like that. So you could just tell mm-hmm. that he was going to be someday. He was going to be doing something after his playing career, and and that day has come for him. There you go. And uh, you know, I mean, I mean, I wish him all the best because I, I think he's. Uh, I think he's a pretty solid guy, and and I think he he should be the front runner to keep that job. There you See go. what he does at the trade deadline, and we'll get into that probably a little later in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, moving on to uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, who were uh, who have lost three in a row, I believe, and were soundly beaten on Sunday uh, by the Florida Panthers. Whipped. Uh, lost more have lost Morgan Riley for six to eight weeks. Their their top defenseman for six to eight weeks. Uh, with a uh, with a foot injury, fractured foot, fractured foot, and uh, he was blocking he was blocking a puck because their goalies were not zing uh, yesterday, and now he's out of the lineup for eight weeks. Uh, this is an already depleted blue line, yeah. Uh, in terms of depth of talent, I think it's fair to say that the that the um, Tyson Berry acquisition has been a disaster um he had some pretty good games under sheldon keith yes uh, shortly after sheldon keith took over aside from that it's been a lot of yeah to bad mm-hmm. last night was really bad mm. um so this is this is a this is a blue line that's that's checkered at the best of times yeah has now lost arguably it's it's best it's best player it's best defenseman um I personally think that it looked to me as though Morgan Riley was playing through an injury all year anyways. Uh-huh. I think there's something else here too. Um, but the foot, you know, I mean, you can't play with a broken foot. You can. Uh- um, so what happens here? Like, what do the Leafs do? I mean, they've already called up Rasmus Sandin. Uh, do they, you know, do they start looking around, sniffing around at the trade deadline? Do they, can they even do anything? Well... I mean, I guess if Riley's on LTI, then you do get some cap relief. So that helps. And they do have some pretty decent prospects that they can afford to part with. For example, Jeremy Bracco, a very talented player who on most other teams would probably already have played a decent amount of NHL games, but because he is a skilled winger and the Leafs are flush with skilled wingers, hasn't been his turn. So I could see Toronto dangling Bracco and maybe something else to get an NHL defenseman that can help them right now. Um, really just comes down to money and cap space because we know they've been tight. I mean, Jake Muzzin's hurt as well. Right. Their second best defenseman. Yeah, their second best defenseman, yeah. Um, yeah. So they're also getting cap relief from that. So, I, I mean, I haven't run the numbers, but, you know, things were tight. I guess getting all this salary on LTI helps them a little bit. Um, but, I mean, they have to, they got to maintain, you know. 
I mean, they can't miss the playoffs this year. There's oh, they won't. too much they won't. And they, they won't because of the division they play in. Um, and because they'll win some of those 8-5 games, 8-4 totally, games. Totally. Right? They lost an 8-4 game last night. They win They win some of those, too. They certainly do. Right. So there are options. The only thing is, to me, Ryan, is, is if you want to really make an improvement, I think you're going to have to dangle more than a Jeremy Brackle. I think you're looking at a Kapanen. Yeah, or an Andreas Janssen, or something along those lines. Right. Um, you know, a, a a roster, a proven roster player, mm-hmm. who you whom you know can step in and and be an asset in your lineup. Right. Uh, along with maybe a prospect. Yeah. Right. So I think that's where we're at. And then and then you do get you you know if you if you deal a player off your roster, you also achieve that. That, that objective cap. of getting the, the you know getting the cap off, that the, is true. off the books too. So, um, but this is a team that um, I, I find oh, like incredibly confounding uh, yeah. in in a lot of ways. Um, you know, a team that still relies on being able to score its way out of out of trouble. Uh, a team that you know has not proved to me this year that it, it has the defensive chops to be a legitimate contender certainly not um you know so where so where where is this team gonna go i mean we're looking right now at i mean okay so you finish third in the atlantic or second even yeah and you're playing Tampa Bay or Boston in yeah. the first round. <laughs> well, Tampa Bay because Boston is so well, I, far ahead. Well, they're not. Well, you know what though? Tampa Bay's got two games in hand. Yeah, and they're coming. They're coming. They're coming. And they've won ten in a row. Yeah. Um. So I I would not count Tampa Bay out in terms of winning that division mm. yet. I wouldn't. I would not do that. So mm. so you. But I mean, pick your poison, right? Sure. I, I, so I, I just don't know that this team, you know, even if they do make a move, are are they are they good are, are they yeah are they where they need to be to even get out of the first round because because they've got to do that they've got to do that at yes. some point soon yes I mean that's that's the minimal that's the minimum now for this team mm-hmm. is you you got to get out of the first round yeah and I'm not sure that they're going to this year well and I think that's. That's the unfortunate part of the Tyson Berry Nazem Kadri trade, is that was supposed to help shore up the weakness. And now I kind of feel like a lot of people will say, well, maybe they can get Alex Petrangelo this summer, and that'll be the solution. Maybe. But, and, and that would be a very good solution, yeah. but it doesn't happen until the summer, right. in which case you've already burned another season. Right. So. Right. Does this mix work with all those high-end forwards, with Freddie Anderson being a workhorse in net, night in and night out, and a defense that is getting more porous because of injuries? I think that they've got a pretty bright future on defense with Rasmus Sandin and and Timothy Lilligren. Um, But again, it's like it's not there yet, and you can't count on those guys to be... 23 minute a game guys right right now so i think you just kind of have to go with what you have because no one's gonna throw you a top pairing defenseman right to save your season right without taking something pretty substantial in return right i'm not see i'm not sure that when you're looking to shore up your defensive game that you go out and acquire 
Cody CC and Tyson Berry in the offseason. Yeah. Um, I think I think that was a real um, blunder for this management team, was not recognizing that. I think it continues to be something. And, 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 I, and I mean, I get that they've got it in their psyche that this team is going to play a certain way and can win playing a certain way. Mm. Uh, but it hasn't happened yet. And uh, I don't know that it's going to happen this season. Well, here's the if thing. If ever. Yeah, here's the thing is that both those guys are on expiring contracts. So was the long-term plan that this season was not the season? Yeah. I mean, from a management perspective, that makes sense with everything we've talked about where you build slowly. But from a fan perspective, I think a lot of Leafs fans would say, wait a minute. We're sick of losing in the first round. We want to be... When do we get to be the Chicago Blackhawks? Right, right. right. When do we get to be the LA Kings? Yeah, Yeah, true. Well, they've got Martin Marinson signed for another year. Boom. (laughs) Solved. So that'll help. Yeah. Um, All right, let's move on to reader questions. Uh, We have a couple... Yeah, we're going on to reader questions, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, I thought you, I thought you said no or something like that. Uh, reader questions, and we've got, I don't know if someone's trolling us here, <laughs> producer Stephen, but it's a guy named Zachary Woodman, Zachary Neely, and Zachary Gibson have sent in the three questions. <laughs> I smell I a rat. There were a lot of questions, but those three were the best. These ones were the best? And okay. It's a good trend. There okay. you go. Perfect. Okay, well, Zachary Woodman asks us, what will it take... To get Nashville back to where they were two or three years ago, goaltending. Yes. Yes. They need, <laughs> Next question. They need Pekka Rene from three years Next ago. Next question. They need UC Saros to play the way he did yesterday when he stopped yeah. 28 and shut out the Winnipeg Jets one nothing. Yeah. And again, you know, we've we've alluded to this a couple of times already. Robin Lehner, maybe Braden Holtby. Like, there's going to be guys available this summer. The problem with Nashville is both Rene and Saros are signed through next season. Right. right. So it's not an easy fix. It's not and like they you're both have ditch. a combined save percentage of like 895. Yeah, yeah. But it's not like you're going to ditch Pekka Rene. And I mean, he's got a no trade clause, anyways. He's a franchise legend. So. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Well, it's funny because I, you know, I mean, Peter Laviolette obviously paid a heavy price for the way they've played this season. Mm. But to me, there have been some real management miscues along the way. I think David Poyle's maniacal pursuit of a number one center that he never got has hurt this franchise immeasurably. Mm. You know, trading Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson, fail. Yeah. You know, trading Samuel Gerrard and who knows what else, I can't remember, for Kyle Turris, fail. Signing Matt Duchesne to an eight times seven deal, yeah, 30 points. They don't have a number one center. No. I mean, and they're back to being what the Nashville Predators were, was which was a team that generated everything from the back end. Yeah. You know? It was so, so much more cheaper when it was Mike Fisher. Yeah. So now, I, I think you're back to where you were, except you don't have the goaltending you had. Yeah. This is a team that's good, but not good enough, in my opinion. They're in a tough spot. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to see a little bit of suffering in Nashville for yep. this year, probably next year as well. Yep. And then... Yeah, I'm not sure what you do with your goaltending. Yeah, they're in a really tight spot because I don't think you can necessarily just give up on UC Saros. But he's the if you're going to do something quickly, he's the easier one to move. Did UC Saros scream number one goaltender to you? No, and I mean, for me, like, 
he was always kind of the exception to the rule when it's like you talk about goaltenders having to be at least six feet tall right. in the, the NHL. Small, athletic guy, People yeah. would say like, well, what about UC Saros? It's like, well, yeah. he's the exception to the rule. Yeah. Now he's just part of the rule. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least this season. Yeah. Um, all right. Zachary Neely. See, this is where it's kind of getting dicey. Zachary Neely. Uh, he asks, which team makes a big trade heading to, into the All-Star break slash deadline? Um, I think maybe... I think maybe Tom Fitzgerald might be the guy to do it. Mm. Uh, I would think that he's got to be very seriously considering dangling Kyle Palmieri out there. Mm. Um, a guy who's got one year left on his deal after this year. There have been numerous connections to the Boston Bruins. Um, you know, so that's a guy that I could see representing the Atlantic to, or the, the Metro division in the All-Star game and actually you know, being, being in, in the, the Atlantic, Atlantic division by that yeah. time. Uh, that's that's one that I would think, but I, I'm not sure that anybody's going to do anything that quickly well, uh, before the All-Star break. A, a big deal, but... Yeah. Let me pose this to you, the Edmonton Oilers. Right. Here's a team that has to make the playoffs this year. <laughs> Absolutely has to. Right now, they're not in a playoff spot. They are. They are by points, but they're not by points percentage. They do have the requisite number of points to be the second wild card team. Uh-huh. But actually, Vancouver has a better points percentage than they have. Right. But they have fewer points. Okay. Yeah. The standings I saw had them out of the wild. Card. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, they're they're <laughs> they're life and they're, death. Yeah, Let's yeah, put it yeah, that way. yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. not a sure thing. No, they're not. You have Jesse Puliarvi yeah. as an asset. Uh, to move, you know you need more scoring up front. You yep. need more help from McDavid and Dreisaitl. So it's an obvious fix. Whether it gets done before the All-Star game, obviously, who knows. Um, but I definitely think Edmonton needs to make a big move because they got to bolster that roster okay. now. All right. <coughs> who, do they, who do they get then? Chris Kreider? Mm. Would he? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I feel Ty- Tyler Toffoli, like, like, uh, is that what we're looking at? I that's what I feel like we're looking at at this deadline. Maybe it's Kyle. It's guys like that. Yeah. <laughs> what are you screaming about? The terrible deadline. Yeah, that would. Yeah, be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreement yeah. with you. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know who the name is. I mean, Kyle Palmieri would. Work. Yeah, yeah. He's pretty okay. quick. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, Zachary Gibson asks, "Who's your top pick?" For the best breakout defenseman this season, mm-hmm. and I'll go first on this. I'm yeah, going to take. Yeah, I'm going to take Tony D'Angelo in, uh, with the New York Rangers. Yes, he's on his third organization now. Drafted uh, by Tampa. Yep. Went to Arizona. Yep. Now in New York, scored 30 points last year, so he was coming. Yep. He's got 36 this year. Uh, has been outstanding. Had a hat trick last week. Uh, so I think is is proving to be. On the ice, what people thought he would be when he was yes. drafted by Tampa. Yes. Um, he's he's had some very, very significant off ice issues. Um, Which we also expected. <laughs> right. But but I don't but we haven't I like correct me if I'm wrong, but we haven't heard anything bad about this guy in the last little while off ice, right? Like he's he's been pretty quiet and that's yeah. what you want, right? So I mean he's active on Twitter, but that's like Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. So the question is, I mean, has the guy has, does he get it now? Mm-hmm. And he's putting it all together. I would argue that there's a very good case to be made that he has. Yeah. 
I would say that's the best answer to the question. But he to, was traded for Stepon and Ranta, right, or something? Uh, that's. I think it was right. Stepon and Ranta going the other way. That's yeah. a good trade for both teams. Yeah, it's a really out. good trade. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Anthony D'Angelo definitely putting it together this year. Um, the other one, which is sort of Rangers adjacent, I'm gonna go with Neil Pionk. The Winnipeg Jets. Oh, damn, yeah. yeah. Oh, no question. In the Jacob Truba trade. 23 minutes a night for Neil Pionk. And Winnipeg really needed somebody to step up, obviously, yeah. this year on defense. Yeah. 29 points in 46 games. That leads all Winnipeg Blue Liners. It's even more points than Josh Morrissey has. Um, you know, Neil Pionk. When that trade was made, a lot of people were sort of like, who the hell hell is Neil Pionk? That's exactly what they were saying. Yeah. But he was a good college player. He skates well. Yeah. And he has been exactly what the Jets needed, if not more. It's funny. The Jets were in Toronto last week, and I I did a blog on Neil Pionk, and I was talking to Paul Maurice about him, and he said, yeah, last year we uh, went into New York in December or whatever. He says, they had played Montreal the night before. We were waiting for them. He says, I put out Shifley, Wheeler, and Connor, and they put out... Mark Stahl and some guy named Pionk. And he says, uh, he says, well, this is going to be good for us. Right. <laughs> hey, guys, we're down 3 nothing after two periods. <laughs> and he says, I'm walking off the bench after the second period going, who the hell is Neil Pionk? And yeah. why why is he shutting down our top line? Why is Neil Pionk killing us? <laughs> yeah. And and he's, he's, I mean, that defense in Winnipeg has been erratic. Sure. Erratic? Is that a good word to use for it? Yeah, I think so. It's been it's been nuts there defensively sometimes. <laughs> but I think I think Pionk has really been a guy that's really answered a lot of questions. Yeah. Um I mean Dustin Bufflin not being there, they've he's he's got getting way more ice time, way more situations. He's obviously putting up the points. Yep. He's already got a career high in points like a, halfway through the season. Uh, yeah, that's a really good one too. Shout yeah. out to Neil, Kevin Sheveldayoff. Neil Pionk, yeah. Doing his homework. Perfect. So uh producer Steven, are there any more questions? We don't have any more questions. Well, that looks like it'll be it for this week. We are out over and out with the Hockey News Podcast. This will be my last one for a little while, though. I'm uh, decamping to Arizona for, for four or five weeks. By to, the time uh, you get to Arizona. To work from there. So, uh, but we'll see you at so All-Star Game. Yeah, exactly. We'll yeah. be at All-Star. And, and we are podcasting from All-Star, aren't we? Actually, Steve? many times. Well, okay, so then forget it. Never mind. We'll from this from this office. From this but, office. Uh, from the home office. But, uh, yeah, and, and Matt will, of course, be back next week. So um, we hope you enjoyed it, and uh, we hope you have a good week, and thanks for watching and listening. <laughs>